YOLO, FOMO, we live in a driven culture, one ruled by hurry and worry. We spend our time talking about how busy we are, how tired we are, and how little sleep we get. We hustle, we rush, we cut back on sleep, we measure our non-existent rim by our wrist computers. Simultaneously, we're living in a very troubling time in the world. The atmosphere of our day has dramatically changed. The fast-paced world conditions have escalated from confusion to chaos. This can be seen by the events across the globe. Dealing with the emerging variants of the coronavirus, bringing back economic opportunities, addressing our deep-seated social issues and racial tensions are all needed, but they remain exterior to the soul peace that can only be received from our maker. Maybe the answer is not found in the common exterior solutions offered, but in a timeless interior discipline that the ancients valued called rest. Bottom line, our shelter is not a place, but a person. In this episode of Keep It 100, we talk about the battle for your attention, hurry sickness, and the crucial subject of rest in a restless world. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey, what's good, everybody? I got my peoples with me. Hey. Yes, sir. <laughs> Welcome to another exciting episode of Keep 100. We're going to have a conversation, y'all, on the most deprived area of modern life. It's called rest. Ooh, my goodness. Do we need this conversation? Man, I might be a culprit, y'all. I might need to hear <laughs> what I'm talking about this week. I think we all do. Hey, before we dive into this really key critical conversation, I want to talk about where we've been. We've been in some really incredible places and seen so many God things. Uh, the last couple of uh, couple weeks lcu which is lifestyle christianity with todd white we love todd white we he's family to us and yes. we love his ministry what they're all about and they had invited sean and i to come and speak in their. it was called their kind of preview week where different prospective students were coming lifestyle christian university is multiple hundreds of people that are coming just to be trained in identity and uh, evangelism and kingdom stuff and it was super awesome chris and i each did sessions at the uh chapel services it was amazing it really was and we just were with such a hungry, hungry group of people. And we just got to see God move. We got to prophesy a little bit, pray for some people, lay our hands on people. And it was just a really powerful time. And then we went from there and we flew to Pennsylvania. We were with Issachar, with Yolanda, just such an incredible ministry. We love Apostle Yolanda, just such a powerhouse in the spirit. And we were just so honored to partner with her and her ministry. And we saw God move. It felt like such a significant gathering in the region. It felt like it unlocked something in the Northeast portion of America. You know, that is so true. We had a powerful time. We had some good friends of ours uh, that were there at that conference. And then we came back and we literally jumped in an incredible opportunity. You and I got a chance to share a devotional on the prophetic and operating prophetic ministry over the pastoral staff at our home church, New Life. And it was amazing. It really was. And that feels really special, right? To be able to pour into the leaders who are pouring into us at our home church and taking time because we know the importance you and I have both been on pastoral staff at different times in our lives and recognize the need and necessity as a leader for people just to come in and pour into you. So the fact that the our pastor opened up the door for us to be able to do that really is such a gift. And for us to be able to pour into our local church, our local leaders, we love that. And I hope we get more and more opportunity to do that because it was just so fun. And we just saw God just encounter people. It was really beautiful. It is. You know, and we've been getting more and more a chance, Krista and I, to speak to leaders yeah. and leaders of leaders and love it. heads of denominations and movements. And there's been a lot of opportunities that have come in to speak to mighty gatherings. So we're super excited. And after all that, what did we come back home to do, boo? We came back to test for the next promotion rank in Krav Maga. And keep it one other tribe. I want you to get your drum roll ready because
because we got to celebrate. We have a sensei in our midst, Sensei Sean, Rev Sean Smith. And it is such an honor because, you know, a sensei, you can't just earn it. It has to be something that's awarded to you. And after 12 plus years of mixed martial arts and training and Krav Maga, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, all the things that Sean has been training and disciplined in for 12 years, he was surprised this last Sunday as we gathered with our dojo school in the award ceremony. And they surprised Sean and they awarded him sensei. And it was so amazing. It was such an honor. And watching you get that, no one deserves it more than you. Well, thanks so much. I might just have to go on my Instagram handle, my Twitter handle and change it from <laughs> at Rev Sean Smith to at Sensei Sean Smith because yes, I am a sensei please, now. Please do it. Come on, Cobra Kai. Look out, look out, Cobra Kai. You Eagle to... Fang. Okay. But also you guys, Krista got a promotion. She's fifth level Krav Maga. So next year at this time, she'll be testing for her equivalent of a black belt in Krav Maga. Yes. So she's bad, y'all. Well, she came trying. in holding a gun like, like Bambi or holding a gun like, <laughs> you know, some sort of British kind of tea set, but she left looking like Tupac. So man, she's gotten bad now. That's actually an accurate illustration that legit happened. That's why it's so funny. I literally did hold it like Bambi and then Sean taught me and then I walked away looking like Tupac. Hilarious. Yes. Well, hey, keep it 100 listeners. I think you guys would all agree with this. That it has been an edgy time, yes. uh, particularly up in our area. There were Sacramento shootings. There were more than half a dozen people that died, many others that were injured. Just recently, there's been a Brooklyn subway shootings and they've apprehended uh, the transgressor there. Just recently, there was Grand Rapids. A police cop did a, a routine license stop and resulted uh, in the, the ending of a 26-year-old Congolese man's life. Riverside, California, a man shoves his girlfriend literally in front of a freight train oh my goodness. and dies. And and all of this has been going on. And it's it, it really is just, uh, I think, a statement of number one, how pushed to extremes people are in this day and how much that hell, the enemy and darkness and deception can take advantage of people that don't know how to find their rest in God. You know, this is why we want to have this conversation today. We are in such unusual times, edgy times, unpredictable times, and even scary times. And we find ourselves in this place in the midst of the storm. And yet there's a constant invitation from Jesus to come and find rest, come and find the refuge of the Lord, where we can find a reboot for ourselves emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And some of us, we know the invitations there, but we're not accepting the invitation. Today, we want to kind of break down what is rest? Why is it so important? And how can we decipher if we're actually walking in it or not? You know, I want to talk to you about that question of, have you ever felt like you can't keep up with your daily tasks or your deadlines? I know I'm raising my hand as I ask that question. And what's even more challenging is maintaining your health in the midst of everything, your job, your spirit, and other responsibilities amongst constant uncertainties or moments of being overwhelmed, which is leaving all of us with very little time to rest. Physicians, athletes, philosophers, poets, religious, and corporate leaders, all tell us the exact same thing. We must take time to rest. It's absolutely essential for a balanced, healthy life. And yet when you ask people in today's frenzied culture, if they intentionally set aside time for rest, most of all of us would probably say we're too busy to even rest. And even fewer would say they've set aside any concentrated time for rest. And they are just too many things to get done, too many demands, too many responsibilities, too many bills, and too much urgency that no one can afford to wait 
waste time resting in today's results-oriented world. And yes, Boo, you know, that's backed up by Forbes. Forbes ran an article and it says, when it comes to relaxation and sleep, many Americans are in need of a wake-up call. And according to uh, results of a survey by Wakefield Research, Americans aren't carving out enough time in their days for sleep or relaxation. With approximately half, they say 49% are reporting they're not getting the sleep they need. 78% say they don't set aside time to relax each day. And it's interesting, uh, on the health index, one of the fastest growing maladies of our day are sleep disorders. And part of it is because, you know, we're stressed over current events. They say 67%, the same poll, 67% of Americans today say the political climate, that would also be wars and things going on in nations, uh, have made it harder for them to relax. We also see that sleep aids are big money. As recent as five years ago, they generated $69.5 billion in revenue worldwide. Again, that is sleep aids. How much money we are paying as a people to get to sleep at night. But analysts say we're on track by next year to hit $101.9 billion. Come on now, somebody, in people trying to get to sleep. Those numbers are astounding that you just shared. And even to back that up even further, Charleston Southern University School of Business conducted a survey discussing the obstacles to growth survey. So they conducted this with over 20,000 Christians across the globe and identified busyness as a major distraction from spiritual life. So their whole intent of the survey was to find out what are the obstacles to everyone's personal growth. Busyness ended up being the number one indicator. Mm. So listen carefully to their hypothesis that they gathered from this extensive survey. They read, it may be the case that A, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to B, God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to C, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to D, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to E, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and then the cycle begins again. Really catch this. This is really significant. We have to understand hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Say it louder for the people in the back. You know, as the Finnish proverb so eloquently quips, God did not create hurry. No lies detected. Right? Carl Jung, this is a powerful quote. He said, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Corey Tinboom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Come on, somebody. Oh my goodness. Benjamin Franklin then said, he that can take rest is greater than he that can take cities. My, my, my. Wow. Those quotes are amazing. Let's take a minute right now and define restlessness. Restlessness is the state of being unable to rest, either physically or mentally or spiritually. Restlessness can be caused by physical conditions such as too much caffeine, Red Bull, come on somebody, or by emotional stressors such as anxiety, exhilaration, apprehension. Uh, They're kind of synonymous with terms like unease, discontent. And as a result of this, restlessness really has been a part of the human experience since civilization began. Part of God's curse on Cain for murdering his brother Abel was this. Genesis 4.12 would be the verse on it. He says, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And we recognize Cain would never find rest in peace in any one place. He was always wandering around. We've got a modern term called wanderlust. 
lost. And that literally, and they say that actually of this current generation of always wanting to go places and escape to places and try new places. It's a wanderlust. But the Bible says that is restlessness. And part of God's curse on Cain was a restless spirit. So what's behind a restless spirit, gang? Listen, a restless spirit is simply a life lived on the wrong side of scriptures, on the wrong side of faith, when you sidestep biblical authority and truth in favor of something else. This definition is so key as a launching board into what we're going to go into next. So keep it 100, Tribe, get ready for our favorite, one of our favorite segments, Hundo P segment. And here's our first question. What are your thoughts when it comes to rest? You know, when I think about rest, I really think about my own story and really discovering the meaning, the significance, and the value of rest. For me, I realized in 2010 when I was resigning a position that I had been working on a church for quite some time and I was working an insane amount of hours and I found myself, you know my story, baby. I found myself so emotionally, mentally, spiritually exhausted and I wanted to blame everyone else for my condition. But the reality is God took me on a journey where he began to show me I allowed myself to be worked to the ground. I allowed myself um, to have boundaries, personal boundaries violated in order to achieve a goal, to check a box, to cross something off the list because I'm by nature an achiever. I like to achieve. I find fulfillment in achieving. It's my personality. Yet there is a sanctified version of every one of our personalities. So I went to this place where I never experienced full burnout and I'm very grateful for that. I did not experience adrenal fatigue, although I was on the path of that, but I did not experience the fullness of it. Thank goodness. I did not experience a mental or emotional breakdown. Thank goodness. But I was headed down that path of just not being in a healthy place. And had I stayed on that path long-term, my doctor even said, your stress levels are high and you'll have chronic conditions in your body that are avoidable, but you have to have a lifestyle change. I took the words of my doctor and I said, Jesus, what do you want to do with that? I felt compelled. And this is again, my story that I needed to get out of that environment. That was such a uh, focus. The focus of that culture was of producing. And it was not a culture of just resting and being, although there is natural demands of our life, we have to learn what are the parameters within you that actually keeps you in an anchored place of rest and peace because the absence of activity doesn't equal rest. And we're actually going to talk about that later. So I had to learn how to live a life that I was living out who I was called to be and I love to achieve, but doing it in a place that honors God and then honors me. And so I began to learn with the Lord's help, what do boundaries look like? What does my pace look like? What does my rhythm look like? And it's not like those around me. I have to be true to my rhythm. And at times my rhythm may be faster or quicker or slower or just different than those around me. And me really being comfortable with that place of at times not achieving, but my achieving isn't by producing. My achieving is by connecting. And I had to shift from that place of wanting to check the box and find affirmation externally. And I had to go to that place where I was finding affirmation internally. And that affirmation internally from the Lord had to become greater than the accolades of man. And for an achiever, that's a really important place we must shift into. Because if we don't shift into that place of God is my affirming God, and it's his approval that actually I'm living from a place of rest. I'm living in a place of abiding in who he says I am. And I'm not finding my identity and purpose in ministry, which had I not gone through that lesson in 2010, fast forward to now Sean and I, we're in this place where the Lord instructed me this year in 2022 for no other reason. He instructed me to pull back from traveling because there's some other things he wants me to focus on. And I love ministering. Preaching is truly my favorite thing. And it, it, will, it will always be my favorite thing. But I felt like the Lord, in order to uh, minister from my place of being at the best of what God's called me to do, I'm actually pulling a little bit off the road, but not because I don't love to go and be with people, but simply because I'm following the instructions 
action of the Lord because rest creates parameters. And when we're in the parameters that the Lord has given us, we're actually walking in a place of protection and we're walking in a place of restoration. And so for me, had I not found my identity in 2010 and simply who I am in the Lord, pulling back here in 2022, come on, 12 years later, that would have been really hard because my identity would have been wrapped up in my traveling. But because that was broken 12 years ago, I'm able to make healthy decisions now as an adult because I learned the lesson 12 years ago that when the Lord instructs me saying, come on, daughter, I need you to abide a little more. This is a season of more abiding. There's seasons of going, but there's also seasons of resting. And there's also the mixture of the two. I'm in a bit of a mixture of the two. And again, I'm learning how to do that. But that for me, when I'm asked that question, you know, what comes to mind when I think about rest, I think about my own story and my own revelation that God's parameters and God's affirmation over my life of me simply being his daughter has become my greatest goal and my greatest thing I'm living toward, not the doing to please man. That's so good, boo. And I truly have seen you cut back. And I know that that's a sacrifice, but I've heard you say you feel like they, when you're out on the road or you're ministering to people or even me or your family, we get a better version of you. That's right. And it is really about, you know, you hear the term of self-care and sometimes we think it's selfish to have self-care, but you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're you're not going to be able to be that vessel to see God's anointing, presence, ministry, blessing, breakthrough, et cetera, come to other people. You know, when I think of that question, what comes to mind when you think about rest, I actually feel a little funny talking about hurry. Boo, you know this about me. I'm the guy measuring and scheming at the stoplight for the lane with three cars (laughs) instead of four cars in a truck. I'm the guy bragging about being the first to the destination, beating the commuter someplace. When we fly, I'm the TSA pre-check. I'm the clear lane. I want to get through. I'm fast walking. I'm fast talking. I'm multitasking, speed addict. People always ask me if you could have any superpower, you know, in terms of all the superheroes. I want to be flashed because I want to do everything fast. And I'm wondering kind of where does this come from a little bit? And I could cite a lot of upbringing issues, but I think the bottom line is it comes back to our culture. Think about this with me. In our culture, slow has negative connotations. When someone has a low IQ, we dub them slow, which that's wrong, guys, to label folks like that. Second of all, when services at a restaurant is lousy, we call it slow. When a movie's boring, again, we complain, we say it's slow. And Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines slow as mentally dull, stupid, naturally inert, sluggish, lacking in readiness, promptness, or willingness. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is the message is clear. Slow is bad, fast is good, but remember, when you come to Christ, it's an upside down kingdom. And all of a sudden, the value system of the world is, as one person says, it's turned on its head. And it, all of a sudden, hurry is of the devil, slow is of Jesus. Everybody, do you know that Jesus changed the world at 3.5 miles per hour? They say the average person walks between three and four miles per hour. Uh, Jesus didn't have Uber, y'all. Jesus didn't have a, a motorized bike. He walked every place he went and Jesus moved at a 3.5 mile per hour pace, but it was enough to change the world. Oh my goodness. That is so challenging. I love that, that Jesus went at a 3.5 mile pace. That's just so powerful. You know, many of you know the story. It's the classic book by C.S. Lewis called The Screw Tape Letters. And it's the whole depiction of the demons talking to the devil and trying to distract people and trying to bring in a noise to take people away from what's really important. So constantly bringing in elements of distraction. And there's this very interesting part that happens in the screw tape letters. And it's when uh, the senior demon screw tape calls the 
devil's realm, a kingdom of noise and claims we will make the whole universe a noise in the end. We think about that. You know, it's such a picture that the demonic wants to just make things noisy and clutter our lives with so much that we're distracted from what's really important. And we actually have seen this. This is powerful. You know, in 2007, I don't know if you really realize this. I didn't actually realize this until Sean began to research this out. And I was like, oh my gosh, baby, that is so powerful. In 2007, this is the year that Steve Jobs released the iPhone into into the world. And it was also a few months after Facebook opened up to anybody with an email address. Remember that? Come on, everybody. This is also the year that micro blogging app called Twitter became its own platform. And this is the year of the iCloud, along with the App Store and all the other technological breakthroughs. All of this happened in 2007, which really everyone now believes that's the official start date of the digital age. So in 2007, all that, all what I just stated really shifted from bringing our world into our hands, that noise that the screw tape letters is talking about, right? The noise, it comes in the form of our phone. It comes in the form of technology. And does it come in other forms? Absolutely. But I think for the everyday average American, we have seen the world radically change in just a few short years. In very recent memory, none of us could even remember a life without a smartphone or Wi-Fi access. But friends, that's really a recent thing that we've actually been living in. And the internet alone has changed the world and not just for the better. Depending on who you talk to, it's decreasing our IQs, which is really crazy. But they're also believing it reduces our capacity to pay attention. It reduces our capacity to focus. Wow. You know, this and the smartphone put the internet right in our front pockets, as I just yep, said. Yep. And a recent study found that the average iPhone re- user, get ready, everybody, this is crazy. We touch our phone 2,617 times a day. Ouch. I'm going to say that one more time. The average iPhone user touches their iPhone 2,617 times a day. Each user is on their phone for approximately two and a half hours over 76 sessions daily. And that's for all smartphone users. And another study on millennials put that number at twice that. So it doubled it, which is crazy. And in every study, most people surveyed had no clue how uh, how much time they've actually lost to their phones. But this is what's really crazy. Can you guess how much time the average American spends on social media every year? Oh my gosh, you guys. It is on average 705 hours. Did you know that when you divide that by 24 hours a day, you know what that comes out to be? That's 29.375 days. You guys, that's basically one month of our lives each year you and I are spending on social media. (laughs) I want my life back. That is so convicting, challenging. Scary, gross, almost like a scathing rebuke. (laughs) Ew, right? I feel gross. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to be that person. I I don't really check how much I'm on it, but man, this makes me go, I need to be intentional about being aware of what's taking my time. You know, as we continue this conversation in the Hundo P section, just asking some questions. Here's a question for you, Sean. What are some nuggets that you can give me on the subject of rest? Isaiah 30. And I love this passage because in Isaiah 30, uh, it actually first begins by talking about tongues. Through foreign tongues and stammering lips, I will speak to my people. And then Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, in repentance and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you are not willing. So the context of Isaiah the prophet prophesying in repentance and rest, you'll be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. The context is a context of chaos because it's about to literally surround the nation of Israel. They're trampled. People are going to be taken into exile. Their nation is about to go through an insanely scary time. Now think about it. If you're there, you're in Israel, you're one of the early Hebrews, your natural inclination regarding chaos is frenzy. It's reaction. 
reactionary. It's to run. It's to prepare for all the possible outcomes. It's to find a place and some place that you could escape and be safe. But God's word was counterintuitive. God's word says, in returning or repentance and rest, you will be saved. The word rest there means a quiet attitude, or it means to be set on, kind of like how Habakkuk sat on the side and, and looked for God to speak. He sat on a, uh, on a side. And so the first priority in this scripture, let's break it down. The first priority here is repentance. Now, if you want to enter to rest, there's no escape in the reality that God causes people to repent. Repent means to change one's mind about the activities of their life. You're, you're not going to find rest if you have sin, unconfessed, willful, unrepentant sin in your life, because the enemy is going to use that to break your connection with the Prince of Peace. So you won't have rest. Rest is a grace. It's a gift from God. So repentance infers stop doing the things that violate the nature of your relationship with God and change your beliefs and adopt those things that God calls true. And so what that often entails is you have to rearrange your priorities to match what God says is truly important. So the first priority is repentance. Number two, the second statement is rest. God's invite was that in rest, you'll be saved. And you have to understand God is a refuge of rest for his people. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it are safe. God instructs them to find their rest in him. And you know what? Right now, there could be some people right now that your mind feels so agitated that you have so much that you're not sleeping at night. You're literally constantly on the go. You're trying to Red Bull yourself up in the morning, get through and doing what you have to do. You just feel like, oh my God, man, if I just had more hours in a day. But the truth be told, if you can't find your rest in God, it doesn't matter how many more hours you have in a day. You would simply fill it with activity or it would not be the right activity. We're not burned out sometimes because we're doing too many wrong things. We're burned out because we're not doing enough of the right thing. And that's finding your rest in God, who is your redeemer, protector, and provider. And finally, the third statement is equally powerful. It says, in quietness and trust is your strength. The solution for Israel was not striving harder, but in resting in a relationship with God. Israel obviously had become their own worst enemy uh, because they thought they were the smartest ones in the room. You, you talk to people today, they think they figured it out. They'll Google it. They'll do all these things. But the bottom line is this. What refuge can you step into when your life is filled with crisis, confusion, and conflict? Let me tell you right now, no brainer. God himself is the place we can find quietness for our souls. And he's extending his hand to you wherever you're at right now for you to find rest, quietness. He's a refuge of safety. He's compassion and mercy. And in this returning and rest, you will be saved in quietness and trust shall be your strength. Ooh, that is so good. Keep it 100 Tribe. It is the favorite, my favorite time of our podcast at each episode. And that's when we give you some key takeaways. Today, we're going to be talking about five signs you're dealing with hurry sickness. Now, I want to cite a source today because we loved what this author brought to the table. Yes. John Mark Comer wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Such a powerful resource for you if you want to keep reading about this topic. But we pulled some key takeaways that he shared that we felt like just were perfectly in sync with what we believe God really want to talk about today because we believe these takeaways are key for you to really expose maybe the cycle you're in, but bring you into a healthy one. Before we dive into the five takeaways, I want to quickly define what is hurry sickness. That's really funny. I just said quickly define <laughs> hurry sickness. But this is a powerful definition. It is a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Here's another, a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and to get flustered when encountering any kind of delay, a continuous struggle and an unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things. I'll say this based on that definition. We see this at airports all the time, y'all. Yes. There are people that got some hurry sickness. There's some people that's working uh, in terms of trying to get you through the lines and everything. They have hurry sickness to people trying to get through the line. 
It's crazy. So anyway, the first sign you're dealing with hurry sickness is irritability and hypersensitivity. So a sign that you have it is you get mad, you get frustrated, you just get annoyed way too easily, right? Little normal things start getting on your last nerves. You have people around you on eggshells because you got this like low grade negativity, judgmentalism. Your mantra is stay petty so you don't have to get petty. Come on, somebody. All it takes is a biter comment to hurt your feelings, a social media opinion that differs with you to get you salty and to ruin your day. Minor things quickly escalate to major emotional traumatic events and breakdowns. And sometimes this can show up as anger, sometimes anxiety, sometimes depression, sometimes just overwhelmingly tired. You can't see the roll with the punches, but this is clearly a sign of you are dealing with hurry six. The second keep it 100 takeaway is restlessness. This is when you actually do try to slow down a rest, but you actually can't relax. You give Sabbath a try, you hate it. You read scripture, it's boring. You have quiet time with God, but you can't focus your mind. You go to bed early, but you toss and turn with anxiety. You watch TV, but you simultaneously check your phone, fold laundry. I am so guilty of that. <laughs> your mind and body are driven by adrenaline. For some, it looks like maybe being a workaholic, that just nonstop activity. You don't know when to stop or worse, you don't even know how to stop. Another hour, another day, another week, you constantly are looking for that affirmation of accomplishment and accumulation. Those are your drugs of choice. These could show up as careerism or obsessive house cleaning or errand running, but it's always the go, 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 do, do, do. The result is you, by the end of the day, you have nothing left to give to your spouse, your children, or your loved ones. And they get that grouchy, overtired you, and you know it's not your best, and you find yourself beating yourself up with that constant cycle of giving everything else your best effort, but not giving your family or loved ones really who you are. Ooh, R starts with rest. You need to get the R behind the P and petty and go from petty to pretty. Come on, somebody. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Number three, the third sign that you're dealing with hurry sickness is emotional numbness. I mean, you have an emotional numbness. It, it's like you just don't seem to have the capacity to feel another's pain or even your own pain. You're out of touch with that. You just don't have time for it. And I looked up a synonym or antonym, I should say. What is the antonym of an empath? An empath is obviously someone who is empathetic. They can feel others' pain. They, I looked it up. The opposite of an empath is a narcissist. Ooh. And so what happens is sometimes people aren't so much a classic narcissist by definition. They're narcissists out of the fact that they are these people that have hurry sickness and their hurriedness keeps them from connecting to people. And so they begin to feed on certain narcissistic tendencies. You live in a constant kind of funk. You see others getting fired up about life, excited, energized by stuff, and you just can't seem to connect to their feelings. You sit in worship services, you sit in meetings, you feel like God is touching folks, but you feel numb and your disconnect begins to cause a frostbite on your passions. And you begin to lose your passion for God, your passion for people, your passion for your job, your passion for your hobbies. And then the disconnect continues. And before you know it, you know, a lot of people in this emotional numbness, they're just looking to escape and they find escapism through so many different ways. And what it is, it's a sign in the midst of it all that you have hurry sickness. The fourth sign that you're dealing with hurry sickness is out of order priorities. This is when you don't feel like you're actually being authentic to who you are and who you're called to be in the life you want to live. This is when you find yourself constantly having your time in your life hijacked by the tyranny of urgent and not just the important. It's always feeling reactive and not proactive. You're busier than ever before, but you don't feel like you actually have time for what you love. Months go by or even years and you realize you still haven't gotten around to all the things you said were the most important things in your life. Woo. And you know, here's the truth. When we're too tired to do what's actually life-giving to our souls, that's when we go into distraction mode. That's when we yep. go to dysfunction mode and we allow ourselves to get distracted by overeating, binge watching Netflix, browsing social media, 
media, surfing the web. That's when people get into porn or get involved in old vices that they used to be involved in before they came into a relationship with Jesus. It's like they find themselves going backwards instead of going forward and deeper into God. You find yourself stuck in the negative feedback loop of what's socially acceptable and all these little addictions, distractions, and glutter. And as Screw Tape Letter said, the noise. You allow the noise to just really create an out of order priorities. Fifth and final sign that you're dealing with hurry sickness is a slippage of spiritual disciplines. Some might say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. All of a sudden, stuff can get busy quick. Then the things that are truly life-giving for your soul are the first to go rather than your first go-to, such as a quiet time in the morning, scripture, prayer, observing the Sabbath, worship on Sunday. Then the things that make for rest actually take a bit of emotional energy and self-discipline. And then we get overly jam-packed. We get overly tired. We get uh, loss of energy and discipline to do what we need most for our souls. And then what happens? We repeat the cycle. Want, wash, rinse, dry, repeat, right? The cycle begins to feed off its own energy. So instead of life with God, we settle for life with a Netflix subscription, endless social media scrolling, like all these things that are really taking us away from the refuge we need to go to and the rest we need to find in him. And then we delay the inevitable. Uh, and then all of a sudden an emotional crash. And as a consequence, we miss out on the life-giving sense of resting and refreshing with God. And I really believe that right now, God is reaching out to someone and just saying, hey, right now, maybe the most spiritual thing you could do is begin to slow down. Just begin to slow down your life. What are the things that are currently involved in your life that are just stealing time and keeping you on a rush? Like we, God didn't create you to be the hamster on a ha hamster wheel, the ha whatever those things, habit trail wheel, that you're just spinning and running and going, that there has to be those moments you unplug. And if there was anything that we were supposed to learn, kind of my sense from the whole uh, pandemic is that we needed to unplug from things so we could take time to plug into the right one. And as you listen to this, I want you to right now, just make it a, a determined choice of your own, because it really is a choice that you're going to take the time and you're going to plug into God. You're not going to be in the mad dash, rush, fast lane. You're not going to have hurry sickness, but you're actually going to take time to find rest for your soul. You know, as we shared the five signs of dealing with hurry sickness, as we're concluding the today's episode, you know, as Sean said it so well, and I just want to come alongside that and just simply add this, you know, really evaluate why are you living the life you're living and why are you doing what you're doing? And we really have to understand the significance of the motivation into what you get is actually what drives our lives. And if your motivation is really to walk in a place of abiding with God, things are going to have to be eliminated from your life. And there's a lot of things that can be added to your plate, but as things are added, other things must be subtracted. You know, finding and balancing that place of rest is a constant choice. And it's also a discipline. It's something that I have to go back consistently and reprioritize. I'm constantly going back and readjusting what was the balance previous season may not be the balance of this season. And there's times of extended rest the Lord's inviting you into. But I want to just encourage you, if you find yourself having been exposed today in a good way, right? I found myself a little exposed in areas where there's some things where I'm like, oh, I, I need to tweak that. I need to get better on that. But not better of like I do more, but better as in resting and simply being with the Lord. I really want to remove the striving element of just doing this well. Actually, that's the opposite of resting. But I feel like there's an invitation today in a world that's so crazy. And for you to get your sound mind back, your sleep back, the, the strength to be able to have the capacity to have the relationships that you're longing for, to build the community that you're created for, there has to be some space in your life. And that looks like rest. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep It 100.
Tribe. You're going to want to listen to the next episode. We're going to have a father, seasoned father, come and talk to you about a testimony of what happened to him and his discovery as we continue this conversation on rest. And we really believe it's going to bless you. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and SeanandKristaSmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it